welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. I am Ross Furukawa. I'm the publisher of the SMDP. I'm here with the editor, Matt Hall. What's up, Matt? Hey, how's it going? Doing well. We are back after the 4th of July. <laughs> I call it a 4th of July weekend. I guess it was just a really a quiet weekend here in Santa Monica. Yeah, pretty much. But our beaches are back open, and uh, and Tuesday was a deadline for something very big here, which we're going to get into. Yes, city council. Yeah, so there is a current vacant seat in our Santa Monica city council. Um, Matt, why don't you tell us how that came to be and why this is a big deal? So uh, Councilman Greg Morena, um, who was relatively recently elected, resigned as of june 24th um and so morena's family is a longtime santa monica family um, his wife's family has owned the albright for many years and you know he got very heavily involved in that operation yep. when they got married so he's he's always been someone who has uh, a lot of business interests and in p- this particular one became a problem because the albright is their family business it's their lifeblood they love it they put a ton of effort into it however it's on the Santa Monica Pier. Right. And while traditionally Morena would just excuse himself or rather recuse himself from discussions on the pier, he actually had to engage in business with the city at this point in time. And specifically, Morena said that unless he can renegotiate the lease for the property, the business won't survive. And his leaseholder is the Pier Corporation, which is a division of the city of Santa Monica. And so it's just a straight-up conflict of interest. As a council person, he couldn't negotiate a lease for the city-owned property while he's on the council. So he had to choose between either renegotiate this lease for my family livelihood or continue to serve on the council, and he chose business. Yep. Fine. Got it. And restaurants, my gosh. (laughs) What a rough time to have a restaurant, particularly since the pier has been closed down since the beginning of COVID. Right. So so it totally, totally makes sense. So that happened, right? Yeah. Put that part aside. Beyond That part happened. Um, according to the terms of the city charter, when a vacancy on the city council appears in a situation like this, that council seat is always going to be up for election during the next general election, Got which it. for us happens to be November. Right. So this seat was always going to be or will be elected in November. That was once someone resigns, November election to fill it permanently. Right. So what we had is this four-month window, roughly four months, of vacancy. And so the question is, what what was the council going to do? Do they leave it vacant, or do they fill it with an appointment? Right. And they chose to fill it with an appointment. So someone's going to get appointed into this seat for four months, and then that individual has the choice to run for the seat in November. Right. Just as anyone else does. And incumbents have a huge advantage here in Santa Monica, but this is a four-month appointment, so some advantage, but not a massive advantage of running for that seat. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there is definitely an advantage to having the the eye of the incumbent next to your name, right? right. Because there's just some people who, for better or worse, are just going to vote Hey, these guys are in office. Great. They just go down the list and they check the incumbents. So right. that, that designation is worth something. Having only four months in the seat isn't worth as much as having a year or two years or an extended period of time, right? This person is not going to get a chance to, to be mayor. They're not really going to get a chance to engage in a lot of meaningful um, 
community engagement, right? Because they're just going to be thrown right into it. So it's definitely like on the lower end of advantages, but it still is an advantage. Sure. Okay. So the city opened up the applications for this council seat. Yep. And it's just to be clear, this is an appointment. It is not a general election. Um, this is the whoever gets chosen is being chosen by the current yes sitting city council for to fill the four month for the four month four month period. spot right right and then there will be an election in November and that election now will have five seats available in that election right well we're not sure what the elections are going to be at this point right we still have <laughs> oh, yeah. this is the other this is the other cat the the monkey wrench in these works right, right. like so we have this district based lawsuit yeah and you know. Two weeks ago, if you were betting money, you would have you the smart money would have bet that the city was going to be moved to districts, and so that basically just several for people that aren't tuned up on sure. this, that just means that each neighborhood, very specific neighborhoods, will have their own council representative, and everybody in that neighborhood. So take Ocean Park for example. Ocean Park would have their candidate, and the whoever wanted to run for that seat would run for that seat. And only the people in Ocean Park could vote for that candidate. Right. You're moving from at-large. So right now, everybody gets to vote for seven council people. You vote for four, one um, cycle, and three the next. Right. And then under a district-based election, you would vote for one person every four years. Right. You'd vote for your representative. You're voting for your neighborhood representative. And that would be it. And so this lawsuit is in limbo right now. So we we actually don't know if we'll be an at-large yeah, election it, 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 in so November the, or not. The, the Right now... There's a tentative ruling that suggests it will be an at-large general election. But that's only a tentative ruling, and we're not 100% sure which way this is going to go. Yeah. But regardless of the election system, this seat will be up for election. It doesn't matter if it's districts or at-large. The city charter mandates this seat will be up for election in November. So if it's an at-large election, it will be there. If it's districts, this will be one of the seats. We just don't know for sure what the districting uh, election system could look like. The judge could do anything. They, if if the roller coaster reverses itself again and they rule against the city, the judge could mandate all seven go up. He could mandate or she could mandate three go up and then four. Like We just don't know. Yeah. So exact number is so unknown, let- but we're guaranteed <laughs> to have this one. A lot of a lot of unknowns for that, but we know that this particular seat is going to be up because that is what the that's what the charter right says. So, so how many applications came in? So as of this morning, uh, today's Wednesday. So the the deadline was noon on Tuesday, and um, at five p.m. they had eighty two applications publicly available. Um, that number increased to one hundred and eighteen overnight as they they processed more. Okay, and to put this into perspective, how many people typically turn in paperwork for a typical city council election? You know, it it, it varies, Ish. but if you yeah, no, you know, at, at the high end, if you had you know fourteen people running for city council, that would be a super wide field, right? And so if you had if you had a year where you had fourteen people running for a three seat election, right? Roughly speaking four to five people per seat if you're going to do the numbers that way right right so that this so, is so we're, we're effectively looking at nine or ten x from a filing a filing an application for this so a lot of people are looking at this as hey maybe this is my chance to be on city council since i don't have to run 
a campaign. Yeah. And this is actually not that unusual for an appointment. When um, Councilman Vasquez resigned so that he could go be a tax commissioner, we had a very large number of people apply as well. So uh, yeah. uh, applications for appointments always outweighs actual candidates. Right. So, and you know what, look, I mean, <laughs> in this time, in this period of moment in time, like that, that many people want to get involved in service to the city. Like that's a good thing. That means we're, our, we're engaged. I mean, sure. Not everybody's yeah. qualified necessarily, and, uh, but, but that means people want to help. Yeah. And, and that should be set up front because, because uh, later, later in this conversation, I'm going to disparage some of the applicants, <laughs> not by name, not by name, but by qualification. And so we should say right up front that yes, applying to be on city council requires a certain level of courage and it requires a level of dedication yeah. and everyone there's a minimum level of praise that needs to be assigned to everyone for being a willing to being a public uh, servant yeah a part of the civic process like sure. that takes effort yep but you're right they're not all qualified yeah so now the big question is what do we think is going to happen here like so we have a uh, 120 applications in um in a normal election year, what it what who are the qualified candidates in a nor, not an appointment, but in a normal election year, who typically wins a council seat? Well, I mean, the answer to that is the people on the council, right? Well, you can look at the, but you, okay, you can so, look at them and see who they are because because it. it's changed a little bit over time as yeah. well. Like so we know Marina, incum- incumbents are good, right? But the track has typically been sitting on being involved somehow within yes you need to have some level of involvement because morena wasn't on planning commission you know was uh as an example or wasn't on the smur board as an example but he was a local businessman he's involved with the peer yeah like he you you should have in order to win an election you need to have a constituency and that requires some level of civic engagement yeah if you are not engaged in the city you do not have a constituency because nobody knows you and you don't know anybody right and and Name recognition goes a long way. Yeah, and and just the mechanics of getting elected, right? There have to be people who want to vote for you, and they have to get to know you, and you have to know what people want. So you have to have some level of engagement. It's often come through the planning commission if, if a, as a particular commission. Like mm-hmm. the planning commission is often the one that, that people graduate from to council. But some folks have come from school board, um, or they've come from other areas. You know, it's... Right. It's, and and just so again, if to, for people that aren't tuned up to that, planning commission decides on development projects. They decide what what our city is going to kind of look like in the future. They approve the the buildings. Yeah, and, and if you if you were to chart out civic engagement, not just in Santa Monica but everywhere, a planning commission is all, is definitely going to be the JV team for city government. Right, right. they they outrank, in my opinion, almost all of the other commissions in terms of relevance and importance. Most of the things that many of the other commissions do, not that they're not important, but if you look at the long-term impact, you know, you could you could argue that the planning commission in many ways outranks or supersedes or has more authority than certainly, say, Landmarks and ARB and the Housing Commission, right? Because all of those three things both fundamentally involve planning. Right. And so in the mechanics of the city, a planning commission is often some of the most it's civically engaged and most knowledgeable people outside of the city council itself. Yeah. And arguably the second largest amount of homework, because you have to read about these developments. You have to read environmental review reports. You have to do, yeah. you have to make big decisions on whether another five story apartment buildings coming in on Lincoln Boulevard. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's your typical track. Typically people come from some sort of 
wide or deep civic engagement, whether it be through schools, whether it be through community, whether it be through commissions or boards. So how does this field look today in, in that respect? Yeah, so the, and, and do those rules apply to an appointment? I mean, yeah, to a degree. I mean, so this comes down to what does the council want, right? Yeah. Who do they want? And we'll get to this in a minute. Who, who do they want to sit next to them? So there's certainly some commissioners on the applicant pool. There's certainly some current and former commissioners of different things. There's people who have a great degree of civic activity that might not be um, directly related to Santa Monica's boards and commissions, but they're involved in other kinds of political activity, other advocacy efforts. So there's, there's a lot of, and that 120 people, there are certainly people who have that experience. Um, but we, so we should get right into what, you know, does that experience matter in this case, right? So we can, we could just say this, <laughs> say this out front, right? So here's, and I'll be the person that says this and we'll go from there. One of the boxes that the city council is going to check this time, in my opinion, is race. Like this is not, this decision is not going to be made purely on the basis of people qualifications. It certainly matters. They're not going to pick someone who's woefully underqualified and has no business being on the council but at this point in time we just we are coming through a period of civil unrest related to um, racial justice the minority groups across the country are pointing out that they have been unjustly maligned for hundreds of years yep you know we have a latino councilman stepping down a white guy's not getting this seat we just went through a lawsuit that was a basis of racial injustice right. and so in districts. I, I just don't think that, that a white guy is getting this seat, a white male specifically. And I would agree with that. You know, I mean, that's a, it, as, as kind of harsh as that sounds or, or whatever, it's just the truth. It's a truth of yeah. today. We're not putting a value judgment on this statement. Right. We're just, this is a situation where we are going to state what we think is, not what we think should be. What we think is is that there is a racial component to this seat. And if you want to argue in favor of that narrative, the council is the council is going to defund the police to some degree. They've set up a commission to do so. They've yep. said they're going to do it. They expressly, during the meeting, pointed out there were no black people on the council and all of the white people, I shouldn't say all of them, but there was a notion that they were uncomfortable making such important decisions without the input of the African-American community. And so Fair. I think it's very clear that the current council members want someone sitting next to them who is going to be able to provide a voice and advice and perspective that represents the minority experience in Santa Monica. Like, so, I think that's so, what they want. So is that so? It, so one is, one is race. We know that they're we're confident that race will be a component of this choice. Yes. What about age? So this is an interesting one. I, I have, I mean, the council hasn't said anything about that. Um, I think Marina was the youngest council person up there for sure. And I actually think there's an incredibly strong argument to be made for the age box being checked. Um, and if you go through all of the applications, because the public can view them all, they're at smgov.net, you can mm -hmm. see them all there. Yep. There are, I would go as far as to say, many that reference the age of the council and provide a critique that there is a missing viewpoint for younger residents, that young people are not represented 
and that the council makes decisions without a fully uh, without fully understanding the perspective of of people under a certain age now that age varies based on the, the applicant's age right yeah. <laughs> like the people who are 30 say it's 30 yeah. people who are 25 say it's 25 like whatever right but i and i actually think that's an entirely valid critique around that i think you know the idea that young people have different needs and approach things differently absolutely is true so will the council take that into consideration you know we haven't seen any evidence of that and i don't think there's a people talk a lot about the youth vote as a thing right sure i think you can argue that young people and we've seen this when it comes to things like bernie sanders election and what have you that young people are typically very enthusiastic but they are they don't show up to the polls in the same numbers as people older than them do. It just, That's just stats. It seems That's and, just facts. And when you look at the city of Santa Monica, you know, we have a senior citizens commission. We don't have a youth commission. Like, right. there, there's, a, there's a pipeline to filter feedback into City Hall that is expressly about seniors and senior citizen issues. Right. Now that they're not important, I'm not saying judgment, but there is. There is a pipeline for seniors to access the city council. There's no pipeline for youth to access the city council. And so, so when, are they going to check that box? I don't actually think so. I don't think the constituencies out there demanding it, and I don't think the infrastructure is set up to give young people enough leverage that the council will consider that as a primary factor. Okay. But so so let, let me throw this in there. Something we talk about here in the newsroom all the time is what kind of housing are we building? Who lives in these 500 square foot one bedroom apartments? It's not a family. No. Nope. Right? It's going to be young people. Mm-hmm. So we're building massive amounts of housing for people to fit into that, into those, <laughs> literally in those boxes. So I think the demographics of Santa Monica, while have been from a from a governance standpoint, is certainly skewing older. We're going to have a lot of young residents here in a minute. Right? Yeah. Or I mean, there's already a lot of young residents here. Who's living in all the downtown buildings right now? It's typically younger residents. Younger residents, yeah. yeah. And so Nobody's I, raising a family in a 501-bedroom. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying – I actually do think the city should pay more attention to the needs and the, the, the opinions of that age group, right? Yeah. I very specifically do. But will they? I, in this case, are we, are we, we're looking at who's going to be appointed. Yeah. When they're looking, when they're filtering those applications, I don't think that they're going to filter them by age. Like all okay. things being equal, if they have a bunch of candidates of equal qualifications, and they're going down a checklist of fifteen things, you know, age might be eleven or twelve, maybe. But like I say, I, I don't think this position okay. is going to be appointed I, based I, on that. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. But I do think that in the coming years. If that's it's going to become even an even hotter issue if you look at the average population of who attends these conventions and who shows up. Like younger people, either when they they come to Santa Monica, they love it. They come here because of the nightlife, because of the the restaurants, because of the lifestyle. They go out and have a family. That's kind of expensive to buy a house here. The schools are great, but you know, at what point do you move out of that one yeah. bedroom? Like I said, I'm not saying that they shouldn't care about it. I'm just saying that yeah, I don't. No, think I, don't, I, don't I agree. I don't think they will too. So, what about LGBTQ? Did I say that right? You got, you got it. Um, I want to so, make sure I get all the letters in. Again, does I that matter? I don't think it matters in this context. I think it's it's you know if we're going to put people in boxes, right? And we know this is bad, but if, if the the political reality is 
people are put in boxes for these kinds of things. And candidate, council members are going to be looking, again, for certain viewpoints. Sure. They do not have that viewpoint on the council. They, they don't have that viewpoint. But I don't think that that viewpoint is something that is... Is, again, the political calculation of what's happening out in the broader spectrum, I don't see that as something that's being demanded for, right? We, we are not in a in Santa Monica. We haven't experienced a situation where that community has rallied around a cause, has rallied around an incident, has created enough of a constituency that it would drive a council decision. And... I'm going to keep reiterating this because people are going to willfully misinterpret our statements. We're not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm saying what it, how do I think the council members are going to make their decision? Right. I don't think that's a primary factor. I think it will be a consideration, again, in that like 11, 12, 13th, 14th ranking. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it's a primary factor. Okay. I, I definitely think you know, we're looking at maybe the top five things they're going to look for. You know, race. I would, I mean, it's one or two, right? It's one or two. Education I, level? I think education level is probably in there, but not that high. So let's say... Community you know, involvement? Yes. I think community involvement is the other one or two. They're going to look for somewhat. So race is one or two. The other one or two will be some level of community involvement. And when we talk about education level, I think they're going to look for somebody who has a leadership experience in some capacity. The, from there, I think it may vary wildly based on the individual council members and what they want out of this seat. Because we haven't addressed this yet, but this is only a four-month appointment. Right. And, you know, there's two ways to view this. Either you appoint someone who's specifically a bench warmer who's there to keep the seat warm right. and break the tie in case of a 3-3 vote, that's one option, or you appoint someone who you want to see fill the seat long term and win the November election. Okay. Two options, right? Right. That leads to very different qualifications that you're going to look for. Okay. Well, hang on. Why would why would you ever just want a bench warmer on city council? Because you you may you may be looking at it as, as saying this seat is up for election in November, and you don't want to bias that election result, right? You, there there's a this is the same as when you get an interim police chief or an interim fire chief to sit in while you hire the real person, right? right? Sometimes you just need to fill the seat, but you understand that the process for, for choosing the permanent replacement should uh, proceed unaltered and unfettered, right? And I'm not putting words in her mouth here, but if I were to guess someone who, who was on that side of the line, I would guess that's Sue Himmelrich because she did not want to fill this vacancy by appointment. She wanted to leave it vacant, she, that was her prop- proposition. Okay. And so I haven't spoken to her about this in specific. I'm totally riffing. But if I'm going to imagine why she would do that, she would do that so that someone doesn't have the incumbency label during the election. Sure. And so if there was a candidate out there who said, I'm happy to sit in this seat for four months. I understand the city's rules and systems. I can absolutely make a contribution. But... I have no interest in doing this full time. I'm just here to help you out until November. That's a kind of candidate that they could choose. Yeah. I don't think they will, but that is a kind they could choose. I don't think they will either. I mean, having spoken to several, um, I think that it's 
and 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 this is fast too. I mean, if you haven't been considering running for council ever, right? And this appointment came up, and all of a sudden there's a decision to be made of like, well, uh, the filing deadline is either the day before or the day after the announcement. So you got to make a decision to run in November if if you're a if you want to continue if you're not going to be a bench warmer, right? If you're going to take take the seat and run for re-election right away in four months, you got to make that decision. Well, you had to make that decision yesterday. Yeah, you have to know and already quick. what you're going to do and how you're going to run. So, and by the way, nobody on the list has ever served on council. That'd be different, right? So let's let's say uh, pulling this out of, out of the air. Well, let's say Mike Feinstein, who sat on council for a long time, sure. decided I'm going to throw my hat in the ring for this. Well, he knows what is involved with a a council, you know, election and a race and how much time it's required. But nobody on this current list has ever sat in that seat. Right, they, so they don't haven't. really don't know what it's like. Correct. Tough decision to make. And and, and you know this goes back to to who's who's going to be in the seat, right? If if council are looking at fulfilling it, if they're looking at it as their appointment will be a long term replacement, yep. they're hoping that their appointment will win the November election. That's a whole different logic tree, right? All of a sudden, you're the qualifications you're looking for then are more intense, right? You're going to want somebody in that situation who does have some concept of civic finances. You're going to want somebody in that situation who has some understanding of, if not unionization as a broad concept, but specifically how unions work because you can't, because you have to negotiate with them. Right. So there are a different set of qualifications that the council will want. They also I think should be look, and this is me. This is me saying what they should look for now. They well, should on, be. Looking. Let's wrap that up. Do you right. think? Do you think that they will be looking for a bench warmer or someone who is actually going to run? I mean, again, I think it's different by council person. I, I would, I would bet money that Sue would be happier with someone who was just here for four months. Uh-huh. I think it seems like from the vote and the way the council voted that the other six council members were looking for someone more long term. Yeah. Well, that's the feedback I got too. So, yeah. I think they're I think they're going to overall look for somebody long term. And and I say up front, it's it's or weird. Or rather, someone who's willing to run in November. And and that has a lot of. I mean, this is a weird position for the people applying to be in, right? A lot of the people reading the applications, I didn't see a single application from anybody who was approaching this as a short term appointment. All of the applications read as if the candidate wanted the seat long term okay i'm not sure they all understand they have to win an election i think many of them may think they're getting appointed to a full term do you think they have to do you think they realize that they're gonna have to go run a campaign yeah in like I, 10 days i don't think many of them do right yeah. it's 120 like of the 120 yeah. you know 100 of them probably don't fully grasp what's happening yeah but that said you know it's a weird position to be in because the candidates are, are, are putting things down for their vision and their their goals that are just vastly long term yeah so when we get into what should they appoint, who should they appoint, right? I'm not going to say there's a specific person, but I definitely, I definitely think there are qualifications that somebody should have. Yeah. And there are things they shouldn't have. I'll say right up front, if you, if you apply for city council and you list schools, specifically schools, or broadly speaking education as your topics, you should not be applying for city council. <laughs> this is, and this is a personal pet peeve of mine, but I get so angry about this. There's a school board. And the school board has absolute jurisdiction over schools and education. Right. City council has absolutely goddamn nothing to do with what your kid learns in school. They don't control teachers. They don't control athletics. They have nothing to do with schools. 
So yes. that's just not knowing how our local government works. Right. So if so you if you are deeply concerned about local education, yeah. run for school board. Right. And if you've applied for council, listing local schools as your biggest topic, you do you have such a poor grasp of local civics that you're eliminated from the pool. In my for me, like I agree with that. I just get really frustrated with so, that. So that's that's <laughs> that's strike. That's one major strike. Yeah. What are some other major strikes? Anyone who put on their application that they're looking forward to this opportunity to learn about civics, learn about city council. Yeah. If you're putting on your application to be on city council, that this is a good opportunity for you to learn how to what this is all about. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> hard. Hard no. Hard no. That's why they have a they they have the citizens academy. City Academy, all they kinds can of learn ways all to sorts of yourself. stuff or read a civics book. Yes. So yeah, hard no on on the want to learn about this. Um, what about what about those that say, that say, hey, my rent's too high, my taxes are too high, the garbage trucks are too loud. Yeah. So those are the very sort of micro level concerns, right? If your primary reason for running is that your rent is too high, hard no. You know, I, I get where people are coming from, but they also also we have a rent control board who actually sends rent control rents. And yeah. like there's other things there. Now, somebody who r- files an application that lists quality of life as important to residents and under that quality of life, they outline the fact that, you know, now gar- now street sweeping is once a month because of budget cuts and garbage is now overflowing in alleyways because they fired some of the garbage haulers. And they, they list the things that go into making quality of life issues, and they can they show that that narrative, they show through that narrative that they understand the civic process. Yeah. That's different. Right? Absolutely. That's, that's a different kind of explanation. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's, there's some folks like that. <laughs> this is the fun part. We don't, but this is kind of bashy. We don't really want to be a do Yeah, a and we're not saying that anyone's a bad person, but there are, you know, if you – you filled out this application. You've taken every, uh, lots of people are going to read these. You've taken up people's time. Like, yeah. I just think that you have a certain level of respect for everyone involved when it comes to making these decisions. So there's a bu- there's a whole bunch of people that we just eliminate out of hand, and yeah. there there are also people who don't um, have no automatic vetoes against them. But when you read through their applications, they their application itself is uninspiring. They do not come across well on the page. Their answers are too brief. They're too short. They don't elaborate. They don't provide a sense of who they are or why they want to run. So, for example, I went through all the applications, right? And I was making a little chart for myself. Yeoman's work. That's a lot of reading. (laughs) I was making a little chart every time I could pull out what their priorities were. And so every time someone mentioned homelessness, there's a check mark in my homelessness box. Traffic or crime or safety or blah, 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 right? And there were a shocking number of applications where I was unable to make a check mark in any of my categories because they didn't say anything about a specific issue. It was too generic. And that to me is an automatic failure. Like you're a nice person and I'm not saying they're bad people, but they haven't articulated why they want to be on council. Right. So those folks are out. So, you know, you go through all of these like super fast cuts and you probably cut that list in half in 30 minutes just because you can scan through it. Right. So then you've still got a good 50, 60 people on that list. Yep. Then we start to get into this this box narrative, right? Yeah. Let's say that... Well, then I, th- I think another cut is anybody who just flat out just isn't qualified to handle this type of work, right? And you can judge some of that based on work history, experience. I mean, I think I feel like that cuts out another... That's another round of cuts. Once you take out anybody who doesn't understand the process or is doing it for a 
pet reason. And maybe it literally is a pet reason. Yeah, yeah. My pet doesn't Could like be. it here. <laughs> but all those people cut hard no. And then you go to then you go to the next group of people who probably don't have the capacity to do it. I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to tell that, but yeah, but I also read through a lot of them, and it's kind of like okay. I, I agree. You can if you read through them, there are some people who you can feel like don't you, have the capacity, and, and or maybe maybe it's just not their time. I'm feeling like that list now. Before we get to these check boxes, I'm feeling like we get to less than a quarter of these applicants. Yeah, that's probably about right. I mean, I I would say up front that I don't think there's an objectively best candidate in the pool. I don't. Right. I think there are people who are very qualified in a number of fields, but I think that there is a diversity of opinion on what makes somebody qualified and that when you're looking at you know, there may be there may be two people that I might put in the absolute top tier of people who I think have the most qualifications, right? But, you know, as I said before, those people might not represent everything council wants out of this seat right now. Yeah. There are other folks who might appear to have the capacity and could be really interesting voices. As I said, I think a couple of the voices that mentioned the youth gap and the age disparity were really interesting. Mm -hmm. Those people almost by definition have less community um, experience because they're younger. They don't have less time on the earth. Exactly. And so that's when you get into like, okay, so someone who has is making really good points and appears to have everything going towards them, but they've only, you know, they're 30, right? They've only had maybe five, maybe 10 years of adult activity going for them like that person isn't going to be disqualified in my mind because they don't have 15 years of experience on something right right? and that's when i get into like an objectively best person like yeah well look i mean morena morena won because i mean he largely represented the business community like yep for better or worse that's what he that's that was kind of the, the what he ran on and that has nothing to do with particularly civic engagement or commissions or anything like that so there, there should be a diversity of qualifications to, to qualify for the seat. And, and that's when I go into, back to what I think they should look for. I absolutely think someone with business acumen should be high on their list. And when I say business acumen, I don't, no disrespect to lawyers and consultants and medical professionals, but that's not what I'm, I mean. I'm talking about someone who knows what it means to either run a retail operation who might understand supply chains, particularly someone who understands how sales tax revenues come in and out, how those things work. You know, if there was someone with that level of experience on the council when we were having our minimum wage discussion, we wouldn't be in a situation now where DoorDash is taking 30% out of all the restaurateurs' pockets without being subject to the same minimum wage laws as the restaurants themselves. Right. Right? Like there's a car, but like that's, somebody would have brought that up if they had that experience. They don't have to be a restaurateur. I think someone that operates, whatever, a bookstore, any a clothing sm- any, any small business or entrepreneurial yeah. business, nonprofit even. Like, you've got to know how, you know, we're about to lose a lot of businesses in town. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be need to be another surge of entrepreneurial spirit, entrepreneurial risk. Yeah. Um, and when council people say that we're, we're a business-friendly city and we're streamlining permits and literally every single restaurateur in the city calls bullcrap on that. Yeah. Because if you've actually tried to open a restaurant here, at no point in time have you said, man, that was a great experience. 
Like, you're always like, really? <laughs> I've got to move that drain three inches to the left? Yeah. Like, really? Those chair backs aren't like that? So, as I say, I think that's why I'm getting to nitpicking. But th- that's no, an important it, thing to have on the council. But, but it, 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 you're absolutely right. And if you look at, you know, rest, look, at the, look at the restaurant spaces that have were required to be unions. They're now gyms, right? So, and that's just not knowing what goes into restaurant minimum wage. Sure. So, and, and we're not saying the minimum wage is bad, but I am no. saying, and particularly there was a, a loophole there where the minimum wage applies to the restaurants that work here. It doesn't necessarily apply to these contract delivery services where someone's coming in and out of the, civ- the, the city to make the delivery. Right. Right. So the restaurant is paying the minimum wage, but the DoorDash driver might not be being paid Santa Monica's minimum wage. And like that disproportionately hurts the restaurant in this particular context. Right. And so. Or food trucks. Food trucks aren't paying a minimum wage. So they're saying there's an important point to having business acumen on the council. So, like, I would be looking for someone that has some concept of that. Right. Right. That's an, and again, that's not, uh, I don't have any um, litmus tests where you have to be this, but I think that's something I would, I would definitely look for. I would definitely look for someone who's younger than all of the current sitting council people. I think that's important for any number of reasons. Um, demographically i think it's important i think it's important to measure social change i think it's important to have someone younger who understands uh, how communication methods have changed and not that social media is the be all and end all but you know look at what's happening with city tv it's kind of being gutted maybe not kind of like with all the layoffs city tv is a shell of what it once was i think you could make an argument that somebody under the age of 50 doesn't tune in to public broadcast television Right. But someone under the age of 50 spends a hell of a lot of time on YouTube or Hulu or other venues. And perhaps if we had spent if we spent no time, money or effort creating 20 minute, 30 minute shows for public access TV. But we spent a lot of time creating two to five minute quick hit videos that clearly explained a topic that would be vastly more beneficial for a certain kind of media consumer. Sure. Again, I, maybe. Uh, but that's something to think about. And yeah. so I think there's a youth – I think youth a youth component is important. I think business acumen is important. I think – I do think you need somebody who understands the times that we're in, right? And the times that we're in include the calls for racial justice, the calls for change at the police department. They also include an understanding of how COVID-19 and the coronavirus is impacting the city. Like These are huge, big topics. And – some understanding of the enormity of that challenge is important. Yeah. I also think, for me, when you then look at people's priorities, I would look for somebody, or I, w- I personally would value somebody who has some interest, knowledge, or experience in mental health and or homelessness. Because eventually, <laughs> we're going to come out of the COVID crisis. Yeah. Like, However, our economy this, this may... This list is adding up. It is. I mean, and we're, this looking, is why we're, we're looking for super, super man or woman here. Well, this is why I said you got a 15... You might have a 15-thing list, yeah. right? And you are going to yeah, have there's going to be different variables. Different, vari- like, different combinations. But eventually, we come out of the COVID crisis, but the economy is likely to be bad. Homelessness isn't going away, but homelessness and mental health are components of the defund the police argument. Yeah. And... I think having someone who understands something about that world, they don't have to be experts, but they have some knowledge of it, will be incredibly important as we move forward with discussions about where to place resources. Yeah. Um, so th- I guess that those would be my, my handful of top things for me personally. This is not saying the council will yeah. or will, but like. 
Yeah, and I think it's it's we're we're being very careful not to mention any names specifically. Right, we're not kind of arguing that we have favorites favorites but, on the other list. So I've spoken to a handful of council members, and I will say this: this is where I scare everybody away. Right, this is a tough job. It's a tough job in this particular time. Right, they've had to make tough decisions. They've had to lay off, make decisions to lay a lot of people off, and who knows how this recovery is going to come? There's going to be more difficult decisions to make and no matter who you are whether you're being uh written thousands of letters by all the seniors who you're pulling funding from or whether it's the youth or whether it's the parks or it's trash pickup you know people in the city complain and they complain to council because council is kind of where the buck stops right so this is a hard job it requires (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure you've seen the dossier like there is a there is a couple binders the the meeting prep binders, and they are you know I don't know how you get through those. In fact, I don't know if everyone does, but it's a lot of reading. It's a lot of time and commitment, and um, and I guess like the media business, it's there's not a lot of thank you. No, there's not. I mean, and and I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily am on board as. as I don't know if I'm necessarily on your, your same page about how hard this job is. I think, I think this is a job that people misunderstand a great deal. I would say that, right? Like, what I, do you mean? I, I, well, I, so for example, I don't think many people understood the part of their job might be to to wield this massive axe across the unions, right, or across the employees. Like right. we didn't. When it comes to understanding the full scope of what a council person could be asked to do. I think many people, both on the council and in the community, only view it as, what do I want them to do right now? They don't understand the full scope of what could be asked of the decision makers at any point in time. Yeah. And that's a bigger discussion about how community, you know, there's stuff out there about how people are very bad at understanding um, nonspecific threats, right? So people are very bad at understanding climate change as a threat. They're very good at understanding someone mugging them as a threat, right? So... Sure. I think that's part of this discussion. So is the you know the job actually being hard? I would argue that a great many people have the capacity to do the job. Doing the job well requires a personality type that I don't know is incredibly common, right? The personality type that can succeed in the job, it requires you to be both empathetic and also in some ways compartmentalized because you have to be able to understand the concerns that are being brought to you, but you also have to be able to understand that many people are going to hate you. And the actual work, like reading the binders, eh, read the binders, right? Like understanding the issues, like I think most moderately intelligent individuals can understand the issues. I guess I think the challenge in the council comes from the emotional quotient. It comes from being able to look people in the eye and say you're wrong like this is wrong you do not understand this issue as well as i do like i you are wrong sir i'm sorry but you're wrong and being able by the way you don't have that problem i do not have that problem (laughs) but being able to have to say that to somebody yeah requires you to know that that person may hate you for life at that point but that that doesn't mean you don't understand what they're saying like you can understand someone's point and disagree with it yeah and i think the challenge is you get some people who are too too willing to try and be liked and you get some people who become too calloused because they're exposed to so much venom 
and trying to thread that line in the middle, that's where the challenge is. Like, yeah. And, and so, yeah, and that, I guess, having talked it through now live with everybody on air and with you, like, I don't necessarily think the mechanics of the job are hard. I think the emotional resiliency to maintain a level of quality is a rare trait. Um, Fair. It's a different job, too. If you look back, I mean, we're in, we're in month, whatever, with COVID. Um, but w- they were making very different decisions. They were, they, really, the decisions were how much money do we want to spend? instead of how much money do we need to cut. And that's a that's a completely different job. You know, CEOs in corporate America, there's hatchet CEOs and there's growth CEOs. Right. And they've had to wear both hats. Yep. And I get that. that's a really tough shift. Um yeah. So yeah, it, you know, I hey, hats off to anybody that's that's going to do it. I think um I think it's a it's a huge commitment and I think uh whoever they choose is going to have a have fun running learning how to be on city council and running a campaign at the same time. Wow. We went, um, we went a little long on that, but, but uh, you know, this will be an interesting thing to find out. What is the timing of when we're going to learn the decision? Uh, July 14th. Okay. So if anyone wants to read the applications, they're all on the city's website. You can just go to smgov.net and there's a button and you can follow it. And you can put that in the the podcast. So anyone can go and read all of the applications for themselves um, July 14th will be the decision date. Yeah. And I'll close on saying this, like, yes, it's, it's a tough time to be a council member, but I think it's a very unique time to be a council member. I just had a discussion with this corporate attorney and they said that, you know, because of COVID, like big institutions right now in America are making massive changes, changes they couldn't make in any other time. It's like a really extraordinary time to be able to, you know, Whatever it is, thin out your workforce, go virtual on your, you know, lower your overhead and office space. Big, big changes that are really hard to make in good times. But now there's COVID stamp. There's a there's a chance, and and people have been asking for change here in the city for a long time. There's a good chance chance to make a really big positive change and literally change the direction of our city right now. Um, not saying it's great, but there's the opportunity there. So, as a council member. Uh, there's a uni- it's a unique time to go and make have the possibility to make a really big difference in the history of our city. Yep. Yep. All yep. right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. We are out. Thanks for joining us today on Inside the Daily Press. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere. For the Inside the Daily Press podcast is brought to you by The Brig Band. The Brig Band is an L.A. jam band that has been playing live since 2002. Regular members and guests have played professionally with everyone from Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, and Stevie Wonder to The Doors, Fishbone, and Steely Dan. To find out where and when you can hear them live, head to thebrigband.com.